see. We have some more good mornings. Good morning to Terry and Stephanie and Gary. Morning to Maureen and Emily and Beverly and Nancy. Made it. Good morning. Glad that you made it, Nancy. I miss this time in our community circle when we are together. It's when we really can see and greet each other and share together. Just even a simple gratitude. So if you would like to add a, a message to the chat board, um, you can share a greeting, share a gratitude, whatever you would like. Um, um, please feel free to do that. And Karen, good morning. So glad to be here. Glad that you're here too, Karen. I'll share gratitude. Um, grateful for the breath this morning. Really appreciating breath practice and the grounding quality that I so need sometimes and that this possibility is here. So we have good morning from George. I have been here for this great time. Glad to hear that. And Maureen, grateful to be here. Okay. So I have a sharing for this week. Last week I began um, looking at Don, Don Miguel Ruiz's book called The Four Agreements. Last week, we looked particularly at the first agreement, be impeccable with your word and how that relates to self-acceptance. Uh, so I want to continue with this book. I got it from um, the reference for it from the Prison Mindfulness Institute. And after seeing them refer to it um, um, several times in places, I finally decided I needed to read it for myself. So this week, we're going to look at um, the second agreement, which is don't take anything personally. Huge help, endless layers of possibilities for unhooking ourselves from the ways we get um, tangled in knots um, of suffering. Um, by taking things personally that are not personal. I love the way Ruiz uses this second agreement in his book. Um, it's very, very helpful. Uh, it's primarily focused, not entirely, but primarily focused on the way we um, tend to be so thin-skinned to other people's issues <laughs> and how they talk to us. Uh, and that's incredibly useful. So we will probably, we will look at that next week. Uh, but this week, this don't take things personally. There's, there's a whole nother context uh, that I think is, is just foundational, fundamental uh, for understanding the second agreement and taking it to all of its radical possibilities. Uh, this context um, um, is named both in Buddhist psychology and I would say in modern science. Um, Buddhist psychology calls this the idea of dependent or origination. Um, Western science calls it evolution. Uh, very, very similar ideas of 
all things unfolding in light of what's come before. Uh, I like the way evolutionary biologist Lynn Margala says this. I quote this often because it's a concept we need to get. Um, she says, independence is a political term, not a scientific one. It's just another way of saying, don't take anything personally. We are not actually independent function, functioning beings. Um, we are always in this context of interwovenness. So from this context, all of us, everything, manifestation of endless generations of evolution, and that evolution is not just happening on a biologic scale, large scale, but also on very large scale social and cultural um, ways, small scale happening right in the context of of my family, of my personal my personal experience in my own life. And so all of these large scale, small scale um, factors add up to a truly endless web of cause and effect, um, way beyond any immediate control that I think I may have for manifesting this moment the way I think I should be able to. It just doesn't work that way. We are in this web of interbeing um, that we don't often take enough, enough time to consciously acknowledge. So this larger context um, of not taking things personally because of our interwovenness, this is really fundamental for understanding who we are and why we behave and act and think the way we do, all of the ways we do. So I want to share one small example um, how even the frame of my personal anxieties that I took very personally uh, really was not personal in a way that um, it took me a while to understand. When my girls were um, old enough to start going out on their own, and maybe they would come back a little late, or maybe um, they would forget to tell me that they had arrived someplace, my mind, oh my gosh, it could create these just crazy making stories of what had gone wrong. Um, um, just <laughs> really crazy making. This is something I think lots of parents can relate to. And right there, that this is not an uncommon parent parental way of relating to our kids getting lost in unactualized, constant fears for our kids. I think a lot of parents do that. Don't take things personally. This is, this is part of the, the culture um, that we're in. But even so, when I first started doing this, I mean, like really started generating these stories, I experienced it as quite personal. You could have told me other parents feel the same thing, and I would have said, yeah, but you don't understand about the way I experience it, and mine is personal. I misread the anxiety I was experiencing. 
as having some sort of personal meaning as um, in the in the heat of it, as a mother's intuition that something actually had gone wrong or something was going to go wrong. Oh my gosh, did I ever cause myself um, deep suffering by taking these crazy making stories as real or meaningful when they weren't. They were just stuff that would come up in my mind. Eventually this happened enough without anything actually bad happening to my kids that I was finally able to start to question the validity of the thoughts. The thoughts would generate and I could say, wow, I really believed this last time and everything was fine. Um, um, and so I started seeing them more through the lens of practice, mind heart practice, started finding more ways of being with the generation of these thoughts with a lot more care, a lot more kindness and some more wisdom. What I was learning to do was to relate instead of the hook, line, sinker, believing the catastrophe, I was learning to take a step back and relate to the impulse to create a catastrophe story. That was really helpful, really helpful, definitely brought some relief. And there was still an intensity that would arise. Even with me not, not all the way bought in, the intensity would still arise, which was um, um, kind of stunning sometimes. So my mind started creating a second layer of crazy making story. And that was, wow, what's wrong with me for making up all of these stories? I'm using the practice, I'm being mindful, and, and this isn't going away. Why, why can't I do this better? Why can't I figure this out? Um, why am I so flawed? Classic second arrow where we shoot ourselves if we think our, if we take what's happening personally. So if you don't know what I mean by the second arrow, um, old teaching story, uh, the, uh, the teacher says to his students, does it hurt to be shot by an arrow? Yes, it does. Does it hurt more to be shot by one arrow or two arrows? Well, two would hurt more than one. So the first arrow is what's already here. My mind just created another panic worry story. The second arrow is, what's wrong with me for doing that? Why do I keep creating these stories and getting sucked in at a painful level? Stayed stuck here for quite a while, believing in the wrongness and flawedness of me personally for creating all of these stories. Then one day, I actually remember when it happened because it was so helpful. Then one day, caught in the midst of one of these stories, um, trying to work with it, trying to breathe, breathe in, breathe out, ground, you know, whatever, the waves about to knock me down and drown, just trying to learn to swim, to surf, whatever in the moment, using anything I could to allow some grounding to come. And out of that opening, 
I would say, suddenly had this flash of remembering. One time coming home from college, driving home from college, um, my college was a long, long drive to come home. So I um, got home just a little later, not a lot, just a little, a little later than I anticipated. Met my mom at the door and she was in a sheer panic that I had been in a wreck and I had been killed. She absolutely hook, line and sinker was believing that I was gone. That was not the only time that happened. In my, in my growing up years. Rarely did it come out that intensely, but it was often there. From that first memory, this whole flood of memories started coming back. And a lot of it was my mom telling me how her mom had done this to her at like a whole nother level of craziness. Um, 10 times worse than what I ever got from my mom. Um, and Ernestine, her mother had done it so intensely. Um, mom had to check in with her by phone every day to tell her that she was alive and that nothing had happened. My mom actually had made a vow not to lay that same fear that Ernestine had laid on her, um, not to lay that on me. And occasionally she would still get consumed by it. And I knew it. And I had totally disassociated any of that with what I was doing. Didn't see the connection. By the time I was raising my girls, I was really able to bring this family passed down crazy story to a much saner level. And I was not enacting it in the level that my mother or my grandmother did. But the healing of this intergenerational passed down knot had not been resolved. This was freeing. This was not a personal flawed me that had just been passed on one more generation as opportunity to untangle, to unknot, to bring some some greater healing, some greater light to. Not personal, freeing. Mine not to shoot myself about, but rather offered to me to bring some more light to. Now my mind rarely jumps to those catastrophe stories first if a daughter is running a bit late. Thank goodness. Um, sometimes the habit does still come back up though. The thought does flash between my, in my mind. But if it does now, I know how to acknowledge it. I know how to offer a breath of compassion for me, for my mother, for my mother's mother, and for all parents anywhere caught up in fear for their kids, for the ones that they love. How to offer that compassion, but not bite the hook. In that way, it's really sweet to know I'm not even letting the first arrow take hold. When we have examples like this story, where we can clearly suddenly get, 
oh my gosh, this is because I am part of this greater whole in this way. And it's not mine. That's liberating. Really, really helpful. More often, though, it's not quite as easy to have those, or it's not as, as common to have those epiphanal moments where we can see the whole thing. And that's why it's so fundamental that we understand the shared nature of these human minds and all of the natural ways that they get triggered, that they get activated, that has nothing to do personally with me, personally with you, or personally with them. It's just nature. It's the nature of these minds in these conditions to react in these ways. I love this quote from Virgil. This is not new wisdom. Fortunate is the one who understands the causes of things. Another way of saying, don't take anything personally. So how do we disavow ourselves a freestanding, independent me that actually is choosing the crazy-making stories, the anxieties, or the depressions that I personally am working with, and, and then create a second layer of self-judgment for me, for being human, for having all of this go on? This don't, this, and I, like, I love the way Don Miguel Ruiz places this as an agreement that we make with ourselves. We make the agreement to not take anything personally. That has the power to disavow us of so many kinds of self-judgment, so many kinds of blame, and invite ourselves back into this mysterious, miraculous web of interrelatedness. Thich Nhat Hanh calls this interbeing. The hard parts in ourselves, there's simply another part of nature and another part of nature asking for relief to help with untangling. And part of our nature is not just to get tangled up. That's absolutely part of our nature. You look at the world, you know this is a natural part of our nature because it is epidemic everywhere and always has been. Nothing new in that. And another part of our nature is absolutely the possibility of seeing these knots with deeper wisdom, deeper kindness, and opening a door from some healing. This is where the joy comes in. When we re-understand our relationship to our hurts, to our pains. Re-understand them in a way that lets us go, let, lets us let go of the endless shaming we do to ourselves about what we carry that's not personal. So much easier to look at the hard stuff when we're not adding more baggage on top of it. When we let go of the self-judgment, the blame, and the shame, 
we actually can then start to feel the ground beneath our feet, feel ourselves strong enough to look at the hurts we've caused, to look at the mistakes we've made, to look at the pain of the biases all of us humans carry in this world. You know, to look at the issues that our, our culture, our time are starting to bring up that are really hard for some of us to step into issues such as white entitlement and I mean, white privilege, entitlement, issues such as recognizing the unconscious bias we all carry around people of different races, people of different sexual orientations, people of different genders, people of different age, people of different background, all of people of different political views, all of those ways. I can actually start to look with a new openness at ways that might be uncomfortable for me to see that I too am part of the problem. And how can I unhook from that and open a door so that my walking in the world is a walk that is hopefully opening more healing instead of more hurt? Don't take anything personally allows a new kind of responsibility to emerge, a new possibility of being proactive. And I mean that word responsibility in its deepest essence, the ability to respond well. So don't take anything personally, doesn't close us off, it actually opens us up. And the last thing I wanna say about it is how that directly relates to compassion. If I let myself not take things personally, I'm actively moving myself from my survival, fight, flight, freeze mind. Um, whether I'm, I'm going into survival mode, fight, flight, freeze, me against me or me against others or me against the world. I allow myself to move out of that and connect instead to our shared flawed but beautiful humanity painfully, hurtfully, and naturally flawed and beautiful. This is what allows me to connect with a strong heart, to be wise and responsive to a world I care about. So don't take things personally. How might that, making that agreement with yourself, not to take anything personally, how might that agreement be liberating for you? And so we'll sit for just a minute or two for closing. Pausing right now and notice whatever's arising in this moment for you. Notice what's going on in your thinking mind, emotional mind, physical body, anything else. 
And then let yourself know how you typically relate to what you notice. Are there layers of hidden self-judgment? Things maybe not being exactly the way you think they should be. And then you beat yourself up for it as well. Making the mistake of taking it personally. We don't even need to take that mistake personally. We all do it. How might this agreement be useful in this moment? Don't take anything personally. What happens when you offer that? Allow possibility of simple in and out, mysterious breath. May I have compassion and understanding for myself just as I am. And may all of us everywhere, near and far, big and small, seen and unseen, may we all experience the joy and the freedom, compassion, understanding, goodwill and care for ourselves and for each other. Just as we are. Thank you.